Praise the Lord. All right. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go on a journey this morning. And so to begin that journey, I'm going to ask if you would take your Bibles and turn with me to Malachi chapter number one is where we will begin. One of the things I want you to understand is we come to this time of the year as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, as we walk through these days, uh, this should not be just one time of the year. It ought to be a, a daily celebration as believers. One of the things I want you to understand, and I'm just going to set the stage for you this way. Israel was a mess. God's people were a mess. Things were a mess. Temple worship was a mess. The priesthood was corrupt. All of those, all of those things is the stage by which Jesus Christ is going to be born into. So, so, so how bad was it is the question that is often asked. How, how really bad were things? Well, Malachi chapter 1, I want you to notice... The last of the prophets, before we enter into this 400 years of silence, before Jesus Christ comes on the scene. So what did it look like? Malachi chapter 1, beginning in verse number 6. And I want you to notice is Malachi the prophet writes for us, A son honors his father, and a servant his master. Then if I'm a father, where is my honor? That's what God asks. If I'm a father, then where is my honor? Speaking to Israel. And if I am a master, then where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest who despise my... Please, uh, listen, don't miss that. O priest who what? Despise my name. Now I'm going to tell you something. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad when the priests despise God's own name. But you say, and, and now watch this, but they, well, okay. That is the charge you make to us, but now they ask the question back. So how have we despised your name? Verse 7, let me tell you something. There's some questions you just shouldn't ask God. Unless you're ready for the answer. Because I'm going to tell you what's getting ready to happen. God's getting ready to answer that question. And so notice in verse 7. You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for sacrifice. Isn't that evil? There's sacrifices that were offered were to be the first and the what? Without spot and without blemish. Blind one doesn't cut it. So what does he go on to say? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it? I love this one. Okay, so why don't you, okay. So why don't you offer it to your governor? Why, why don't you offer it to your governor? Well, we certainly couldn't do that. And how many of us in our lives today, things we would never offer to our governor, but God can have what's left over. 
The end of verse 8. Why would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. Notice verse 9. But now will you not entreat God's favor, that he may be gracious to us? With such an offering on your part, will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates, that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. Please read. Don't miss this next part. Notice what the Lord says. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. That's where where they were. I, I won't accept an altar from you. Or an offering from you. Look at verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain offering that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you are profaning it. In that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. Verse 13. You also say... My, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. You bring the offering. That, in other words, that's what you bring to me. You don't bring me the first. You don't bring me the best. You bring me what's left over. Here's what I want you to see. This is where they were. This is where Israel was. This is the situation in the land. These are the ones who are supposed to be guiding God's people closer to him, not further away from him. That's that's where they are. Look at verse 14. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is feared among the nations. So as we come to the account of the birth of Christ, some things that you you need to just consider. Rome was the dominating world power. That's who they were. And oh, by the way, the high, priest of the, the high priest of the land okay, served at the beckoning of Rome. Matter of fact, the high priests were appointed by Rome. Beginning with Annas and then we find Caiaphas. Appointed by Rome as the high priest. Working at the hand, trying to make sure that no revolts, none of those type of things, no... No militants would rise up within the Jewish community. In other words, the high priests were to keep them calm. Here's something else I want you to think about as we come to the birth of Christ and what we celebrate. And considering this place here. As you come from Malachi to Matthew. Or you come from Malachi to Luke where we have the recorded birth of Christ. One of the other things that I want you to consider is a shroud of darkness fell over humanity and all of creation. 
when Adam sinned and Satan usurped dominion. Things are pretty dark. Is it any wonder that Scripture refers to Jesus being born as the light? And let me say something to you today. We don't live in a world much different. A dark, evil world that we live in today. But let me say this to you. Jesus Christ is still the light. That's who he is. You see, and let, me, let, me, let me just kind of share with you. That, okay, I'm, what I'm sharing with you is from my heart to you. I know we get down to this time of the year and there's all these pageants and there's all these, there's all these choir performing. There's all of these things. And they're good. But I think sometimes we come to this time of the year and that's just kind of the, we just, we just go through it every year. It, it becomes routine. But if, if you don't do anything else this year, here's what I want you to get your arms and your hands around. The stage by which Jesus Christ was born into. You see, the Christmas story is really a light story. That's what it is. It's a light story. When Jesus Christ was born, the shepherds were tending their flocks by night. The stars lit up the heavens, but it was dark by any other measure. Jesus Christ is going to be born. Turn with me to John chapter 12 and verse 46. John chapter 12. And it's, it, John chapter 12 is interesting from verse 27 all the way down through verse 50. Because what Jesus is doing is Jesus is foretelling his death. That's what he's doing. And, and guess who he's having this conversation with? I want you to understand he's having this conversation with the religious crowd. And so when you come to verse 46... Let's start up in verse 44, just so you get the full context of it here. Notice what he says in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. Let me tell you what he just did. He just identified himself as who he really was. Verse 45. And he who sees me sees the one who sent me, speaking of God. Verse 46. I have come as what? I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me, notice what he says, will not remain in what? Will not remain in darkness. And I hate to say this to you this morning, but here's one of the things I want you to understand. If you're here this morning 
and you have never been born again. You live in darkness. That's what you live in. In a chaotic world, in a world that absolutely seems to make no sense, a world that just appears to be just on a, on a, on a, on a, on a course with absolute destruction. And how do you make sense out of all of it? Well, I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ came into a dark, evil world as the light. And here's a, it, it, listen, here's an interesting thing about light. Darkness cannot, cannot quench it. No matter how much Satan tries to quench the light, even today, he cannot quench the light. And you see, everyone, everyone in this building this morning, my question to you is this, do you know the light? And that's a capital L-I-G-H-T. It's the biblical account of the light coming into a world that has been cast into darkness. That's what the Christmas story is about. That's what it's all about. Turn with me to John chapter 1. John chapter number 1. I mean, it is... <clears throat> it is it's laid out in John chapter 1, verse 1 through verse 5. There is no purpose, there is no answer to life outside of Jesus Christ. There is no light outside of him. John chapter 1, verse number 1. Many of you can quote this. In the beginning was the, was the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. Speaking of Jesus Christ as the Word. Two he is. And let me say this to you this morning. Not just some prophet, not just some teacher, not just some good man that was born that socially did good things for humanity. No, he was more than that. He was God in the flesh. That's who he was. He was the light that came into the world. For us, who absolutely could do nothing. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. For those who think that Jesus Christ, he didn't have his beginning until he was born. I mean, I hate to say this to you, but here's the truth. He's always been. And you say, well, how do you know that? Revelation chapter 1 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning letter of the Greek alphabet, the Alpha, okay, which signifies existing beforehand. Omega, which is the last existing eternally in the end. It's who he is. Verse 3. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has 
come into being. In him was life. And the life, you ought to underline the next phrase, and the life was the light of who? Of men. He was the light of men. Is it any wonder that Jesus said to his disciples before those, those final steps toward the cross in John 14, in verse number 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. That's the only way that you're going to get there. God understood the condition. God understood what was taking place. God understood where Israel was. God understood where humanity was. And he had always had a plan. And that was his redemptive plan through Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 5. And the light shines in the what? In the darkness, but notice that next phrase, and the light, or in the darkness, did not what? Did not comprehend it. Couldn't overcome it. And I'm here to tell you this morning, to this day, darkness still cannot overcome the light. So what's the significance of all of this? Well, think about it with me this morning for just a moment. Everyone was part of the problem. You know, what's interesting to me is when we go to a book like Malachi and we see how difficult things were in Israel and many of us say, how in the world could they have ever got to that place? Well, my question today is how in the world could we, in the world that we live in, how in the world could we ever be at the place that we are today? False teachers? Yes. False churches? Yes. All of, those, all of those things that we deal with and struggle with here? Yes. Jesus is still the answer. Jesus is still the answer to that darkness and to that difficulty. So everyone was part of the problem. Everyone suffered from the problems, but you're ready for this. But no one could solve the problem. We're all part of it. We've all suffered from it. But not a single individual, not a single individual could solve the problem. No one. So how does it get solved? Aren't you glad God had a plan? And for us today, we can be a recipient of that plan. I know I am. Praise the Lord. To accept the light that has been given through Jesus Christ. And you ready for this? The coming of that light provided an opportunity of transformation. See, before the coming of that light, we had no hope. And the law? No. Why? Because the law could not accomplish what was necessary. The law could not take away sin. It could cover it, but it couldn't take it away. 
Because, see, if the law would have been able to have accomplished what was necessary, then Jesus Christ would have never had to be born to begin with. And let me just set the record straight for you this morning. This was not some afterthought with God. So what was the law all about? The law was our schoolmaster was what it was. The law showed for us just how sinful we were. Because are you ready for this? Because we could not keep all of the law. Matter of fact, the very first commandment we would break. And so therefore, if we break one of those, then we're guilty of the whole thing. You say, well, Brother Robert, it's just depressing sounding. It is when you consider the magnitude, but oh, how rejoicing it is when we consider the magnitude of the light who came into the world. You see, it was through this light that God would dwell with us. God took on flesh, called the incarnation, his incarnate birth. God took on flesh and dwelt among us. You say, well, how do you know that? Because the Old Testament prophet Isaiah prophesied that that's the way that it would be. And matter of fact, he would be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Also contained in Matthew chapter number one. That's who he is. And I'm thankful today. I hope you're following me. Because here's what I want you to see at the end of this. This should not be something that we just celebrate one time a year. But it ought to be something that we celebrate every day of the year as a believer. Ooh, here's another good one for you. Did you know that Daniel prophesied the birth of the Messiah? Turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. I'm not going to get into a deep theological discussion of Daniel 9. But I do want to show you something very specific in Daniel chapter 9. You see, the birth of Jesus Christ was not just some after all. It was not something that just all of a sudden occurred. In that 400 silent year period between the last of the Old Testament prophets and the birth of Jesus Christ. So when we consider the magnitude of his birth prophesied by Daniel in Daniel chapter number 9. Matter of fact, it's listed. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. So you're to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That came under Artaxerxes when Nehemiah Ezra, Zerubbabel, they came back to rebuild the temple, and then Nehemiah came back to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So we have that decree of when the process of the 70 weeks of Daniel would begin. But there's something else that's interesting in verse 25. Until Messiah the Prince, in other words, until his birth, until he comes the first time, and he gives a time frame after that. You see, even Daniel spoke to the coming of the birth of the Messiah. This was not some afterthought with God. 
My dear friend, I don't, I, listen, I don't know if you understand the magnitude of this, but here's what I want you to understand. If Jesus Christ would not have come, you and I in this building today would have no hope. None. Zero. And I'm going to tell you, there are people out there today that need to hear about the light of Jesus Christ. It needs to be shared. It needs to be something that's a part of our lives and who we are. Now, I'll say this. We have no exact record of how the Jews expected the Messiah to appear at all. But a baby in a lowly manger did not seem to measure up to what or how God might accomplish a deliverance. Why would he do that? The birth of Jesus Christ was announced to who? Not just Mary and Joseph, but to these lowly shepherds tending their flocks on the backside of the field at night. I can imagine for you and I today, especially communication major people, here's what they, boy, we need to make a full-fledged announcement. This word needs to get out to everywhere. It needs to be every written form, every communicated form, every way we can, it needs to be. It needs to be out. But God did it in a very specific way. And matter of fact, are you ready for this? He did it exactly the way the scripture said it would occur. So what happened? Was it, was it a pleasant time? Shortly after Jesus' birth, you moved to Matthew chapter number 2. You moved to chapter number 2, Mary and Joseph... And the small child, Jesus, is in Bethlehem. And the magi, or the wise men, come to find him. They come to Jerusalem first, and they have a conversation with Herod. As a matter of fact, Herod said, by the way, when you find him, please come back and let me know exactly where he is so I can go worship him too. Wrong. (laughs) That was not his intention. But I want you to see what the birth of Jesus Christ, what it brought also on the face of the earth after his birth by an evil individual by the name of Herod. Look at Matthew chapter 2 beginning in verse 13. And now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child. Notice what it says, to do what? To destroy him. Satan has been out to destroy everything concerning Jesus Christ from even today. That's who he is. That's that's. That's who Satan is. Look at verse 14. So Joseph got up and he took the child and his mother while it was still night and he left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Through what prophet? Hosea. Out of Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 1. Out of Egypt I called my son. Look at verse 16. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the... He'd been what? Tricked by the Magi. 
So as far as he's concerned, he's been tricked by the Magi. He became very enraged. And he sent, now watch this. And he sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. That doesn't sound good at all, does it? No. Let me say something to you this morning. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has always brought opposition. Let me tell you why. Because it's exclusive. It's ex- he's exclusive. Let me say this to you this morning. There is no way to the Father except by Him. It's the only way. And I want to tell you something, that cuts against the grain of humanity and the flesh and culture. Matter of fact, it cuts against the grain today that nothing should be exclusive, everything should be inclusive. Inclusivity has its place. Exclusivity has its place in Jesus Christ. He is the only way to the Father. It's not Him plus. It's not him and. It's not him plus all a thousand others that are out there. Jesus Christ stands on who he is. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He came as what? His life and light. That's who he is. So the Christmas story, when we think about it, a light shining on the world. Born in the city of Bethlehem. Are you ready for this? We just finished a series of David. On the life of David. And he's born in the city of who? Of David. You see, Jesus Christ comes through that tribe of Judah. The lion and the tribe of Judah. My dear friend, listen to me. It is not coincidence. It runs from Genesis to the book of the Revelation. That's who Jesus is. He is the light. He is the account. He is the only one. He is exclusive. That's who he is. And I thought this was interesting. Jesus did not simply show up making claims either. Could he have? Yeah, he could have walked on the scene and said, (laughs) just so y'all know who I am, let me just tell you who I am. Ever had anybody do that to you? I want you to understand. I want you to know who I am. Okay. So what? He didn't come on the scene making a bunch of claims. He came fulfilling all of Scripture because that's who he is. Now, some people say, well, wait a minute. Didn't he claim to be the Son of God? He did. Did not he claim to be what the Scriptures say? Yes. But it wasn't just by a claim 
It was by what he did and who he was. The light that came into a dark world. My prayer for everyone here today, everybody in this building, is for you to come to know Jesus personally and deeply. As you determine your own question or your own answer to the question, My question to you this morning would be this. So who is Jesus to you? Is he just someone that we celebrate this time of the year? Oh, we gather all around all the blinking lights and all of the festivities and all of the things that take place. And I'm going to tell you something. As soon as January gets here, it's all gone and we're on to life. But do you understand But the reason we go on to life is because of the light that came to us. Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. And so this year, as you contemplate and you think about it, He is the light. These lights are about to blind me up here because we don't have all of them on, okay? But I can say this to you today. I am so thankful that the light of Jesus Christ is much brighter than any light that we can see humanly today. Amen? It's who he is. But my question today is, do you know him personally? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you don't, then I'm going to make, I'm going to give you an invitation this morning. Here it is. If you don't. You've never had a time in your life where you sit down and realize who you are before a holy God. I'd encourage you not to leave this building today until you do. And let someone take the word of God and show you what it means to be a child of God. So my invitation to you today is this. If you've never done that, we have ones here who would love to take the word of God and show you what it means to be a born-again believer. So the invitation to you this morning is this. When we have a time of reflection in just a moment, that's the time for you. I'll be standing here at the front, and I'd like for you to leave here today having met the light of the world, Jesus Christ, the Son of God.